0: Taking Action in Romania's Energy Transition, Interview with Aline Tanase. Episode 71. The energy transition requires a ground-up approach, to move from a fossil-fuel-dominated energy system to one based on renewables and sustainable energy production. This requires community involvement. This week, we speak with Aline Tanase, climate and energy campaigner at Greenpeace Romania. You may ask why Romania? Seems so far away, I think, for most people. But if the energy transition is going to happen and be a success, it has to face the reality of a country like Romania. There's different perspectives we can apply for Romania. From the EU side, Romania is receiving funds from the EU's just transition mechanism. has a lot of challenges phasing out coal and helping coal communities. I've written about this in the past. From the US side, it appears a good country to foster new small-scale nuclear power reactors. And for Europe's gas security, there are offshore deposits in the Black Sea that still can be tapped. In addition, it has Europe's largest onshore wind farm with even more renewable energy potential still to be harvested. It is a microcosm of energy complexity that other countries also face. But the energy transition still is stagnating. So on one hand, Romania has a lot going for it, and on the other, it has huge government and social challenges that make the energy transition falter. At the end of this episode, you'll gain a greater understanding of the challenges the country faces, and an in-depth understanding of one person who is working hard to move Romania forward in the energy transition. As you'll hear from Alin, fossil fuels are in his family and dominated the city where he grew up. He's experienced firsthand the pollution of gas and oil and why the future is not fossil fuels. This episode is ex- exciting to listen to to learn about Alin. I really enjoyed the interview with him and his own his own personal experiences. So His personal stories really gives you a perspective of how he grew up in the city and his education and then why now he's working for Greenpeace. And you'll learn about the Romania struggle in the energy transition. Before moving on, we have big news this week. We are launching the Repowering Leadership in European Energy and Food Summer School. Let me repeat that. We are launching the Repowering Leadership in European Energy and Food Summer School. This is done with the Central European University Summer School University Program and with the Open Society University Network. You can find a link to the call for applications in the show notes, but in short, it's eight days of learning about the energy transition and the connection with food and leadership. So we're teaching leadership skills, we're teaching about food security and energy security and essentially the nexus of that. I'm super excited. We have amazing professors and instructors coming. We have some fantastic field trips. If you are interested in this topic, particularly if you're early in your career, maybe working for a consulting company, doing a PhD, possibly master's, have some experience in the energy sector, we would love to have your application. It's the end of July, and it's going to be eight days of lots of fun and intense learning. That's for sure. I'm so excited about our entire program. A final note, this interview was done for my current role as the Open Society University Network Senior Fellow at Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. The funding was generously provided to produce the podcast until the end of 2022. And the funding was provided to travel, to interview like Aline, a range of experts about the current energy crisis and how it's impacting different countries around Europe. I'll be writing more about this in 2023 and I'm really excited to just sit at home and write. The intent of the My Energy 2050 podcast is to spread the knowledge about how the energy system can assist our transition towards a greener future. The content of each episode is great for teaching, research, and identifying how you can assist this energy transition. And now, for this week's episode. I'm here today with Aline Tanassie, climate and energy campaigner at Greenpeace Romania. So, Aline, welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast.
1: Welcome, and thank you for having me here.
0: No, I'm really excited to talk to you about variety of issues and I so far on the podcast I haven't focused too much on NGOs and I would say active activists on the environmental and energy side. So this is one reason I'm really happy to have you on the podcast today. And we're gonna be talking about Romania and but maybe maybe before we begin to do that, you could explain about your background, your environmental engineer and why did you choose that topic? And how does it inform your work now? But mainly, yeah. So, I, first of all, I studied geography. As a, it's a bachelor
1: degree. So, that's where I got my love for nature. And, yeah, visiting all the beautiful sites of Romania. And then, after that, I have a master at an oil and gas university in Ploiesti, And that's where I got my uh, environmental engineering uh, yeah degree so i grew up in ploiești which is the oil and gas capital of romania it's a quite polluted city i mean the air pollution is is pretty bad we have three oil oil refineries around the city so yeah i grew up in a very polluted environment and yeah i wanted to change something mm-hmm. so
0: that's why i joined greenpeace wow and how did your education as an environmental in, and I just want to compliment you for being a geographer. I, I'm also a geographer, so a bachelor's, master's, and PhD. So, wow. so, yeah, it really brings you out into the world and lets you observe things nature, the urban environment, and have this perspective. Um, but how did your university studies, uh, because if you're looking at the oil and gas sector, and then you have this technical capability to understand the sector quite well, um how does how does that i mean why didn't you join an oil company that Let, let's put the question there
1: <laughs> yeah it's a good question well <coughs> it it's all my father worked in the oil and gas industry for many years he's now retired uh yeah I, basically i i didn't want to join the the bad force let's say and then i wanted to to work on the good side so that's why i chose the the environmental NGOs, yeah, and to
0: fight for climate justice, let's say. Okay, and your dad, he would come from home from work and, and speak about work, I would guess?
1: Yeah, most of the times. He he even worked abroad in places like Iraq and Kazakhstan. But let's say he, he wasn't an engineer, so he didn't have a, a, a university degree. He was like a, a pipe fitter. So okay. he was just telling me about, yeah how he connected pipes for the oil
0: and gas industry. Uh-huh. And what what did he think about you joining Greenpeace?
1: Well, he he's quite progressive. I mean, he sees that at some point fossil fuels will end and there needs to be something in to replace that and yeah. He's he's on my side when when I propose let's say renewable projects instead of uh, old fossil fuel projects.
0: Okay, so you come from a community, as you said, that's really affected by pollution, the oil and gas sector, and so you see firsthand uh, the impact that the sector has very close. Maybe you could describe that more about growing up in the community and other families or businesses associated with that.
1: Well, Ploiesti is situated in the Prahova County, which is a quite I mean, it's quite dense, uh, it's full of oil and gas wells, let's say. And yeah, I grew up seeing them in yeah, as a general landscape, let's say. At some point we were even playing around them. Uh, and the first problem or the first thing that hit me was the air pollution. So there is this specific smell around the city. If you will travel that in that area, you will notice as soon as you enter because of those oil fields i mean the oil and gas wells also the uh, oil refineries Uh, so yeah that was the biggest the biggest uh, thing that drew i'm not drew my attention but the biggest thing that yeah kept me focused on Uh, and growing up the industry went was declining a bit so it was a lot of Oil wells that were not producing anymore, so they were supposed to be closed, but they were not even closed. Cl- closed, and uh, at some point there were even some uh, huge accidents. Some kids, actually, was a kid that died in a in an oil well because of the yeah of of the gases that were coming out yeah. from that well. So yeah there was a big scandal in romania the There was even a lawsuit against the company and in the end the company was found guilty for yeah okay. for that murder
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. and um <clears throat> what would you say about maybe more recent times in that well because now it's been privatized uh it's what owned by OMVE own in general yeah. uh has there been a lot of improvement in the sector? Does that dissuade you from that the future is oil and gas or how does that affect
1: there are some improvements i can talk about an improvement that we contributed to like two years ago uh we had we had a, a camera i was supposed to see methane leaks and we visited some of the wells some of the yeah oil and gas wells around the city and in particular there are because yeah because it's because we have a history in yeah, exploiting and extracting oil and gas in that region, there were some oil oil and gas wells that were situated in a city, so very close to uh, some block of flats, some kinders kindergartens, and we detected some methane leaks uh, on on that spot. We pre- we published it, we presented it to the media, and the, the company reacted to it. And visiting the site. Another, after a year, we noticed that that well was closed, so there were no methane leakages anymore. And yeah, I could say that's like a small contribution, but uh, yeah, I can see my work taking effect.
0: Mm -hmm. So you're able to really, I don't know how much your education played into that, but you're able to use your education um, through... I don't even call it acti- activist action because it's kind of a, a simple thing to do.
1: Yeah, an investigation, let's say.
0: Okay, investigation to go out and see what's actually happening on the ground just because you're concerned with it, right? You're, you you want to go out and see what is the impact and document the impact, and you're able to do that by, by using your education and, I would say, your, your focus and your motivation. Um, to. Pre- I, how, do you, how do you frame it on... Is it to protect the environment? Is it to benefit society? How do you frame what you're doing?
1: I, f- I think it could be both of them. So first of all, I'm thinking about the, the society. So I guess nobody wants to live in a polluted uh, environment and that affects the society. And yeah, going back to my geography study, there is also this love of nature and we as we are living in this climate crisis, and there is a connection, yeah, I mean the climate crisis is affecting both nature and the society, so yeah, I'm trying to yet
0: yeah, take a part in this fight and yeah fight for the good cause, okay, good, and maybe I can expand out a bit more, and then we'll get back uh, this is a way to to move into the Romanian context a bit more because you bring out the climate crisis and how how do you see the climate crisis unfolding in Romania and what is being done to yeah because it's such a big topic climate crisis what, how do you interpret what is the climate crisis in Romania
1: well when you talk to the average people on yeah you know, the average person on the street they will probably say that <coughs> our co2 emissions dropped very high during i mean comparing to the communist time our our yeah highest c o two footprint was in nineteen ninety and if you look at what's happening now it's almost forty seven percent down so it dropped a lot mm-hmm. but that 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 didn't happen because of a plan or of, of some strategic thinking it happened just because yeah the industry uh, I mean the the industry was not there anymore it it wasn't it was it wasn't considered profitable or so it had to be to be closed so that's that's what the the general narrative is that we are still better than the rest of the world and uh, some other countries need to do more than we do but still we if if you're looking to the what the europe has to do until 2030 we have to reach like 55% reduction that's still i mean we still have some some emissions to to be reduced and uh, yeah unfortunately our politicians talk about growing the industry and we have some we still can emit more more co2 until until we the
0: trend will go down Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not necessarily about the emissions level itself. Maybe you could describe maybe the benefits, uh, and if, if this is how you see it, the benefits of doing more rather than just doing it to limit the emissions.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I don't think uh, I, I get uh, the okay, so
0: so, uh, so what I'm implying is that by taking action to reduce emissions, um, it's like this quantitative goal that's there. And, okay, Romania can do a bit more to meet this quantitative goal because, yeah, I mean, since the fall of communism, and here here it was really rough uh, rough under communism and then rough afterwards as well, um, that, yeah, the, the, the efforts to go into, to reduce it to the pledges that are now are not that major, basically. Maybe I can say it that way. Um, but there's side benefits as well mm-hmm. in implementing measures to reduce emissions, uh, like re- more renewables or energy efficiency. So, um, but how, wh- why... Yeah, okay, so maybe I'm implying too much. <laughs> is So for, for you, what are the benefits of actually reducing emissions?
1: Well, yeah, first of all, we're talking about uh not all not only a climate crisis but a biodiversity crisis, so reducing emissions is also helping yeah the nature, let's say plants mm-hmm. and animals uh and also like human beings because there are some places on this planet where temperatures are getting too too high to to live in that area, and also that would benefit those those communities. Uh yeah, yeah, I guess that's like my general
0: like my general view on this. Okay. And um you bring up biodiversity um and in Romania there's quite okay, a lot of countries there's a lot of biodiversity, but here you have quite you have the sea, you have amazing mountains, and so and you have old growth forests that in the past were protected and I know there's a lot of um effort to stop illegal logging yes. for example in Romania. Maybe you could um, tell us a bit about that. Those efforts to stop illegal logging and and why is it um, such a crisis in Romania?
1: Well, as you mentioned, the Carpathians here are, I mean, there's a huge part of the Carpathians that cover the, the R- Romania, let's say, and there are huge forests uh, on those on those Carpathian mountains and unfortunately there is only a small percentage of that of of those forests that is being protected uh and yeah because of that we have some problems let's say with the bear population because of the of their area is getting more smaller and smaller because of human activities they are more popular i mean they are more present not popular in some uh, communities where people live so there is this debate about uh, do we have too many bears should we start looking at, at at that population and maybe i don't know how to put it M- yeah maybe mm, like killing them. Yeah, like I don't them, I did know
0: yeah, culling. would be the technical word. Yeah, yeah,
1: and or should we protect more areas and yeah, give them more spaces to to move and live. So yeah. Yeah, when I talk about biodiversity in Romania, that's the big that's the first thing that comes into my mind, like the bear population and the problems around it. And, uh, yeah, of course, the illegal logging is a huge problem here. There were some reports done by Greenpeace that, uh, I mean, there was this satellite investigation and we found out that we're losing, uh, I I don't remember exactly the numbers, but we're losing uh, two or three hectares per hour of forest and, uh, and, a big part of that is done illegally. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we're we're actively campaigning on forest as well, and we demand for like higher, higher, uh, um, higher protection areas for yeah for the for biodiversity and also like the newest demand that we're having is to stop building new forest roads like that are used for to exploit
0: the 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 mountains and yeah the forest yes oh i've never heard of that uh, and okay so by yeah building the forest roads and they're able to take out the trees more yes uh uh-huh. and yeah we we don't at, at least
1: we don't want that to happen in the next few years so there is this moratorium that maybe at least in the next 5 years there won't be any new roads in the forest built and yeah you can use the existing one but no more New, oh, okay. No more going into
0: new areas. So this is a potential moratorium or, or it is a moratorium? No,
1: it's a potential. We're demanding that okay. it's not happening, but we uh-huh. ex- we hope and yeah, we expect
0: we expect it to happen. Okay, okay. And then maybe we can change a little bit and talk about the gas and the gas sector. And Romania produces, as I understand, about 70% of its own gas mm-hmm. use.
1: Yeah, roughly. It's the second biggest producer in Europe
0: after the Netherlands. huh. Wow. And uh, it has a long history, too, of gas production and oil production as well. Yeah. And um, for Greenpeace, why, why is gas an issue f- and let me just frame it like this, right? Maybe prompt you a bit or tease you a bit. Because uh, gas, we could say, for some countries, is seen as a clean source of energy because it replaces coal, which we have to talk about. And Romania has these resources of gas. So why is gas not a, a good choice for the future?
1: Well, it has, it has, there is a connection with coal. So recently, Romania agreed on... a coal phase out plan and i guess until 2032 we're supposed to phase out the all electric coal electricity production and close all the all the mines and there comes the question what do you put there instead of instead of coal and unfortunately politicians do talk about uh, converting coal plants to gas plants and maybe building new gas plants and expanding the gas grid to connect more consumers being it industrial or households they also talk about new gas reserves onshore and offshore and it's for us it's obviously that gas is a fossil fuel and first of all at some point it will be at some point we the resources won't be there anymore. Secondly, it's quite expensive, and as we've seen with the war in Ukraine, the prices went high this year, and yeah, nobody expected that, and they are supposed to stay high in the, in the next couple of years, so there is also this economical aspect of it. And uh, as I was talking earlier, it's not that you Burn gas and, re- and release carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and that's all. No, you also have you also have those methane uh, fugitive emissions that are happening through the whole chain, from extraction, yeah, till till you burn it, and yeah, methane is much more potent gas than carbon dioxide for yeah for it's contributed contributing to the climate crisis. Uh, and unfortunately as we have uh, very old infrastructure since we since we be- we began extracting gas yeah i guess it's 100 years ago or so and the infrastructure is quite old and it's it's very common that you see methane leaks all around it being at the well or at the transport pipeline or at the gas storage and yeah we investigated that and we found evidence of like methane leaks all around the, all around the chain so going back to coal uh, yeah we are phasing out coal and the question comes what do you put there and our politician mentioned gas but then again at some point we will have to get rid of all fossil fuels mm-hmm. and th- there is this narrative that we're we're saying that we cannot afford to transition so instead of instead of using gas as a transitional fuel and then have another transition from gas to renewables, why not going from coal directly to to renewables so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's why we're we're opposing gas because it's uh it's too expensive it comes too late as a solution for the climate crisis. As we see in the in the offshore gas deposits in, in the Black Sea, the companies knew that those resources are there like many years ago, but still there is no decision of going after that. And if the decision will come next year, at mid-year, they, the companies say that they will take a decision if they want to go or not for, for that gas, they will still need... Three or four years to develop the infrastructure, and it's roughly in twenty 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 seven or twenty thirty that they will start production. They will start the production there. But it's and, kind of late, especially yeah, when the phase out. Yeah. Is, I don't let's just and, say twenty thirty five, yeah, right? And we need solutions right now and the crisis yes. now, and
0: we need it today or next year. Mm-hmm. So, do you think the crisis now, um, the with the high gas prices? Um, yeah, because I mean, one hand, it's it's really the high prices affect households and in, in a bad way with the high prices. So just want to acknowledge that. But on the other hand, when it comes to this energy transition, that this geopolitical crisis that's now an energy crisis and the high prices, um, how do you see that changing the debate in Romania? About do you find it easier maybe to engage in this conversation that we should go straight to? renewables rather than using gas as a gas bridge
1: no actually since the war started it is becoming more difficult to oppose gas because not only romania but the whole european union is looking to diversify diversify its suppliers so i would say that a lot of Stakeholders are ro- looking at Romania and looking at the gas reserves in the Black Sea and maybe consider it like uh, good for the energy security of the region. And yeah, it's quite hard as an activist
0: to to oppose to oppose that narrative. Uh, Aline, I just want to say this is exactly why I'm here in Bucharest. To, to And meeting with you is to find out about that because I haven't read that anywhere. I haven't heard that from anyone. But of course, it makes complete sense um, that the high price of gas would actually drive extraction of more gas from Romania that has these reserves and untapped reserves in the Black Sea because they can make so much money off of it then. And it can just be fed into the current pipeline.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that the reserves there are not that big. We we just had a, a study recently by, done by a think tank in Romania, Expert Forum, that uh, yeah did talk about the Black Sea reserves and and the study says that even if we're taking all the gas, all yeah all the gas that it's there and put it in the market, it will only last for ten to fifteen years. Only if you compare it to the Romanian consumption, but yeah, we're 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 connected with other countries, and you cannot use that gas only in Romania. It, it's a free market, so you can send it everywhere. So it's it won't last for for that long, and mm-hmm. it it's also not economically feasible to I guess
0: to to close a, a gas rig after only after ten years. Yeah, right. So then maybe actually for the companies that would invest in offshore, which is expensive anyways, it's actually not worth it if there's only say a decade or more however, ever yeah. extract it. Mm-hmm.
1: That that's why I guess they are taking a lot of time for this decision. It was supposed to be taken at the end of this year, but uh they just postponed it to to the mi- to the middle of next year. And also there were some uh legis- yeah, legislation that was changed. The the offshore law was discussed in mm-hmm. this summer in Romania, and it was mainly about the the economics of it. So the companies are not are not very happy that mm, most of the gas should go to Romania, uh, and yeah, there are some taxes that are being applied. and I guess that's why they are
0: they are not taking a decision until uh-huh. now. So if you want, you can correct me. I didn't expect this where our conversation would go, but but basically the idea of this tax or the law around the offshore is that what supposed to, the gas is mainly supposed to be used in Romania, and then there's additional taxes yes. on it as well.
1: And this is also the narrative that the politicians are using. I mean, we have this gas there and... Uh, it's supposed to come to the romanian market and the prices should got, go low and yeah it's it's quite but, hard yeah, to oppose as them.
0: as investors they're like mm.
1: yeah of course they are not happy i mean it's a free market and it's sh- you should sell. you should be able to sell it where you have the biggest price right and yes so so
0: actually the the <laughs> how do we say this the I'm, I'm trying to be polite and diplomatic. So so the missteps, and I would say from the investor point of view, the missteps of the Romanian government, and not just in the gas, the field of gas, right, but other areas of the energy sector that um, makes it as investors, because just yesterday I found out that this week Enel is withdrawing from, from Romania, the d- distribution company, mm-hmm. and and one of the polite ways as well, it's just a global reshape of the company, but actually maybe it's due, due also to the policy environment, regulatory environment in, in Romania. So maybe the uh, the actions of the government actually dissuade investment into fossil fuels. Could, could, could is, that, is that uh it, an interpretation?
1: It, this used to be in the past until the recent uh, legislation change of the off- of the offshore law i mean the the laws were even harder harsher for investors i mean two or three years ago right now the yeah the politician says that it's more profitable or more acceptable for for companies to go for that gas but still as i said they're they are not satisfied yet and yeah, the decision will be taken uh, next year,
0: okay, and then maybe we switch to uh, coal phase out. I'm really interested in this. Um, so does that mean they're, and I think maybe not. Uh, they're going to shut down all the coal plants in Romania, or.
1: Yeah, and I'm. I there was, there was this recovery and resilience plan that was, that was discussed right after the the pandemic, and that's where we saw our first commitment to to a coal phase out and right now is being discussed and it's put into national legislation so there is this decarbonization law that was recently discussed in the parliament and they amended it a bit so it it, at first it was 2030 that they they planned to have a complete phase out and 2032 was to close the mine and uh, yeah to clean the area but right now they they changed it a bit and said that 2032 is the is the last year that the coal plant will uh, will be producing electricity and uh, yeah and it, it, it and it's it's a calendar so there are some coal plants that are supposed to be closing earlier than 2032 but still the last one will be closed in uh, 2032 and what they what they did change recently in this uh, in this decarbonization law was that actually they are not closing they are staying in in reserve so mm-hmm. if the transport and system operator like we, it's called Transelectrica in Romania if they are calling for a coal you need to be to be started To be started in producing energy it will happen so yeah we're not very happy with that because we know that the companies the coal companies are receiving money for staying in that reserve so first of all they receive money for staying in standby and being ready and secondly they receive money when they start the the unit and produce energy so i think it's quite profitable for them yeah, but yeah, we're closely monitoring this and see how it how it will go.
0: Yeah, it could be really profitable because be at periods when they need more electricity, so the price would be high. Actually,
1: yeah, usually in the in the winter, <clears throat> in the where where you have like the cold temperatures, that's where the energy consumption is going up, and also in the summer with the hot days, that's like the peak consumption for, for our country. So I expect maybe they will. Even if, even after they were closed, let's say that they won't be operating like many hundreds of hours
0: per year, but instead they will be a couple of couple of days, let's say. Uh And so there's not any like hard coal, black coal power plants that will use imported coal.
1: Um, Right now, I mean the the biggest. Coal operator is Altenia Energy Complex, which is like lignite operator, and lignite cannot be transported yeah. for very long distances. So we have a lot of uh, open open open, pit mines, cast, open mm-hmm. cut mines mm-hmm. for lignite, and uh, it's produced locally. For the hard coal, there were a lot. Also, there were a lot of hard coal mines, but many of them were closed. I guess only four of them are. Are open right now and uh, on on which two are supposed to close? I guess at the end of next year. So that's that's the part where coal could be imported. So I expect our coal maybe to be in, to be imported in in the next few years
0: until yeah will oh. will phase out and close the plant as well. Okay, so so and then the government was looking at gas. To replace that generation mm-hmm. and what about their view on renewables because i would say maybe from your perspective and <laughs> a more environmental perspective that renewables actually have a place in the energy mix
1: yeah <clears throat> unfortunately on since 2015 there weren't any big investments done in romania so we have pretty much the same renewable capacity as we had 5 or 6 years ago uh, and that's that's because there was this support scheme at that point that was very profitable i think it was one of the most profitable in europe so we had a lot of investors ca- coming to romania and yeah, investing in big wind farms and big solar parks actually the biggest uh, wind farm is it's in romania it's close to the black sea uh, it's called cochalag fântânele uh and yeah since 2015 when the support scheme was ended there weren't any investors that came to 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 have like big projects but if you look right now renewable can renewable energies can can handle them yeah the market let's say without support scheme so investors Are keen to come to Romania and go for big projects. Projects is just that there are some legislative barriers that are in their way, and uh, that's why we don't see we don't see the the development of of uh, of
0: it. Are those purposeful um, barriers?
1: Well, some of them, yes, could be, but some of them are, let's say, legit. I mean, we still. Uh, We still have this law where you can't install like big renewable projects on agriculture land bigger than, I don't know exactly the area, but it's bigger than x uh, square meters, Uh, we consider that it's good, let's say, and uh, we see that renewable should be produced decentralized. And that's why we're now campaigning for prosumers like small producers and consumers of energy. We're also pushing for the energy community concept where people can associate and produce and sell and yeah, sell their electricity. So yeah, big projects are helping, of course, but we see the future is like distributed, and everybody should have solar panels on their on their houses. Let's say,
0: uh-huh. so these energy communities. Maybe you could describe how those are, or the structure of those, or you know the unique because they're different in many different locations and everything. And how how are energy communities seen or structured in in Romania?
1: It's a very new concept. We're trying to popularize it and. Uh, the thing we noticed is that I mean, there is this uh, renewable energy directive two coming from the European Commission that was not transposed into national legislation. They, I mean, we are just analyzing how they are planning to transpose it and uh, to make sure that the uh, energy communities' rights are there and will be will be kept as it was uh, it was designed in the first instance instance. So, uh, I think there is only one. There is only one uh, energy. Actually, it's an energy cooperative in Romania, but it's not a Romanian one. It's a European one, but it's 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 uh, situated in Romania. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to popularize. What, popular- what does that mean? It's a European one, but it's situated in Romania. Be- because I mean, the legislation right now, I I don't think it. It allows you to create a, a cooperative in Romania, but still, yeah, you you can. I don't know exactly how to put it. It's not not exactly my topic, but my colleague can really help. Uh, it's regist- is registered as a European one, but it's operated in Romania.
0: Okay, so they accept it. The Romanian authorities yeah. allow it. To,
1: to. Yeah but yeah an energy cooperative doesn't necessarily mean that every member has solar power pal- solar panels on their houses I mean an energy cooperative can even sell energy buying it from I don't know whatever place they find and it's just that the profits go to the to the members of the cooperative instead of like big corporations
0: okay okay and um, Greenpeace as an overall... So you talked about communities and distributive uh, energy systems. So this is... I mean, how how do you... Yeah, expand on this, because what does this mean? Um, so... Uh, or what what is the preference is... So well, actually, let me reframe that a bit more. Because why why does a solution for the energy system and a much more sustainable one that's low carbon... Um, come from the community rather than through large-scale projects? Well,
1: as I said earlier, also, like, big projects do help, like, in the transition and they have a role there as well. But we believe that the energy should be produced and consumed very close to the... and should be consumed very close to the place where it was produced and promoting this we realized that the Romanian grid is not really designed for that and it could be the problem of many Eastern European countries where there was it was this big centralized system where you had like big producers in some part of the country and unfortunately the consumers were in the other part of the country and you had to build these big transmission lines Uh, but that didn't cover the whole country so right now there is this narrative that the the, politicians are pushing that we cannot afford more renewable energy in the grid being it uh, produced by big uh, wind farms or solar parks or by presumers because of the grid because the grid cannot take uh, more energy that uh, that it's already that it's yeah that it's there uh, and it it was also i mean this problem was persisted also with during 2010-2015 where we had that support scheme for big renewables and most of them went for the black sea shores or for dobroja part of romania and that's where you also have the nuclear plant and the area got really congested, so right now the authorities are talking how to take that energy from that area and yeah, distribute it to to the whole country, so we need um, better grids and we need it to cover as much as as, the, as much as, as much area is possible in, in Romania and that will also allow big and small producers to to connect to the grid and yeah that will help the the transition process
0: mm-hmm. and now, now uh, so when we talk about the transition and um, yeah the the grid itself maybe we talk about a little bit about the future and for example uh, around nuclear power so Romania has a, a long history with nuclear power and I'm just gonna assume greenpeace is opposed to this nuclear power (laughs) but um what is the debate now about the future of nuclear power in romania particularly around these small scale reactor designs and how do how do communities see that and how does greenpeace see that in romania
1: well on the we we have a nuclear power plant at cernavoda and it was supposed to have four units, only two of them were built, so there is the discussion of building the additional two reactors there, number three and number four, and that was the debate for many years. It was more popular around elections, but then it went down, so they didn't advance that much. At some point there were private investors that uh, that were interested, they... Uh, they resigned, then there were the Chinese investors that they were interested, they resigned as well. Now, uh, recently, last year at COP, I think, Romania signed a memorandum of understanding with uh, some American companies, also for the the two projects, the number three and number four at Cernavoda, but also the small nuclear reactor. So that was the first time when we heard about about this topic of uh, smrs and since then the, the topic developed very fast and it was this year that we found out that there is this proposed site for the first uh, small nuclear reactor uh, plant in Romania actually it's supposed to hold 6 of those small nuclear reactors it's it's placed in an area where there is where was this former coal power plant that was shut down and mm, their narrative is that the connections are already there so they don't yet it, it was supposed it's supposed to be cheaper for them uh but the population was really outraged because there was no public consultation for for cho- choosing that that specific location and uh, Yeah, we investigated and apparently we found out that uh, this technology is not very different from the old nuclear power plants. It comes with the same drawbacks uh, and the main one that we're we're talking about is the radioactive waste and there is is no place in Romania for a permanent uh, radioactive waste. What they are using at the Chernobyl, at the, the big nuclear power plant, is storage. It's storing the the waste in the site of the of the nuclear plant. And there was this discussion about building a, a permanent deposit, but I guess nobody wants such thing in their backyard. So the 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 discussion did didn't advance that that fast. So. Mm, yeah, as I said, it comes with the so same drawbacks as the as a big nuclear nuclear power plant. So it's not only the waste; it's all it's also the fuel. We have some uranium reserves in Romania, but yeah, they are. Uh, they at some point they will finish, and this uh, this makes me talk about the biggest uh, uranium. Exporter to EU, which is Russia, and of course, with d- nobody wants to be dependent neither on gas nor or uranium from from Russia. So that's another drawback.
0: Uh, it, I it just want to correct you. Hungary actually does. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe> they <laughs> yeah, want yeah, right. to be dependent on <laughs> <laughs> Russian nuclear technology yeah. and
1: Russian gas. I've <laughs> <To> heard. <government. laughs> I've heard recently that. Uh, whatever Hungary is doing and energy, everybody should do the exact opposite, so...
0: Yes, it's completely true, Yeah, completely true. And um, when it comes to the... Why was the community surprised by this decision?
1: Because they, they just found out in the media that their city is supposed to host this small nuclear power plant and... Uh, There were some politicians from that area that were interested in maybe talking to the population and recently there was this event that the the local politician organized where we were invited to present our our views. We also got some questions from the locals and we in Greenpeace have uh, an expert, Jan Haverkamp, which is yeah it's, it's a nuclear expert it it happens that he worked in Romania for 5 years during the 1990s for the nuclear power plant so he he has a lot of knowledge on that so we 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 gathered that questions and the expert answered some of the some of the questions yeah the questions were about what we already discussed about waste about what should be the, the minimum safety distance from the from the neighborhood, let's say, because it's quite close, it's less than 200 meters from the first block of flats in that area, so it's very, the, very... Is it in a valley too? It's, it's in a small valley, it's in mm-hmm. Doicești, which is mm-hmm. close to Târgoviște, uh, that's the biggest... Uh, city close to the power plant to the yeah to the nuclear power plant and it's 20 kilometers from Targoviste. it's as i said a couple of hundreds of meters from the city center of that deutsche and it's 90 kilometers from Bucharest so it's not that far away from from here uh yeah and we and we went there we discussed with the people and yeah we presented our views and to- yeah talk talking about the war in Ukraine there is another argument about what's happening there at Zaporo- Zaporozhye and the yeah the safety aspect of it cannot be guaranteed at all times so it's if it's not war it could be some terrorist attacks or yeah some maybe some natural disasters also the the plant is situated in an yeah it's it's in a valley there is this small river going through that valley but that's not enough to to cool to cool the reactors uh and yeah that's another problem that we see and it's you could use the same argument as for gas it comes a bit too late in the as a solution to this energy crisis because yeah it will take many years for for the
0: for the plant to be operational yes yeah a great point Okay, Aline, I just want to begin wrapping up. And my one, hopefully, maybe final question is, uh, what do you think will be the... Because you point out some really good points here. Is by the time new gas sources come online, it's kind of too late. By the time nuclear power comes online, it's still ways off, and even cost-wise, could be too late. So from your perspective, and I would assume Greenpeace perspective in Romania... What is the future of the energy sector in Romania? What what will it look like by say 2050?
1: Well, we we are we are demanding a coal phase out by 2030, we got 2032, which is not that bad. We're also demanding 2035 for a gas phase out uh, and yeah, 2040 to 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 be climate neutral and yeah, have 100% renewables. So yeah we are promoting renewable energy but right now i f- would think that a bigger aspect could be energy efficiency because we there is a lot of wasted uh, yeah energy throughout Romania uh, most of it in the building sectors like our block of flats and houses are not very isolated yeah isolated and uh yeah the cheapest energy that it's out there is the one that you don't consume it's a yes. word that we've heard and so we are yeah we are demanding authorities to put energy efficiency on the top of their agenda and renewable yeah,
0: expand renewable energy as well hmm excellent okay aline thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me thank you too Thank you for joining us for this episode. We produce the My Energy 2050 podcast to learn about cutting-edge research and the people building our clean energy system. If you enjoy this episode or any episode, please share it. And remember, each episode is equivalent to consuming 10 journal articles, one book, and 500 charts on how to implement the energy transition. And you get it all in less, usually, than 60 minutes for each podcast. Guaranteed. I can actually say no other podcast makes this guarantee. The more we spread our message of the ease of an energy transition, the faster we can make the transition. You can follow us on LinkedIn where we are most active on the My Energy 2050 page or on Twitter and Facebook. I'm your host, Michael LaBelle. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.